0: Thank you, choir. If you have your Bibles, turn with them to the book of uh, Genesis chapter 39, the 39th chapter in the book of Genesis. As we continue in this series we started a few weeks ago entitled Change of Plans. We've been kind of moving through this series. Hopefully it's been helpful for you. I know in the summertime you you sometimes get a little bit scattered to some degree because you're traveling and, you know, vacations and those kind of things. But we started this series entitled Change of Plans a a few weeks ago, right towards the end of spring, the beginning of summer. And uh, so I hope it's been a challenge for you. We're going to continue that uh, this morning as we look at another message in this series. It, it, a change of plans is something that all of us can relate to. It's something that I think resonates with a lot of us because we all know what it's like to have our plans set and, and kind of bank on something and then to see those plans really out of the blue uh, somehow get changed, sometimes out of our control, sometimes because we have to make a change, but changes of plans are not always easy, you know, whether it's in the financial area of our lives where you know, we, we thought we had money saved up for something and then you know, an, an event came up that we weren't expecting and then we had to use that saved money. For something else, plans change. You know whether we expected retirement to come earlier, and now it doesn't because of financial issues. If it's finance related, if it's relationship related, changes of plans aren't easy. You know, some of you are going through changes very possibly in your families right now. You know, you've you've lost a loved one, or you've had a change regarding the dynamics in your family, or maybe you're going through a separation or a divorce, or uh, uh, maybe you're not married, but you've got relationship challenges that have come up in another area of friendship or relationship in your life. Changes of plans are difficult at every single level. And and hopefully what we've seen through this series, and we'll continue to see for the next few weeks ahead, is that God is at work in the midst of those changes. That that even though the changes may catch us off guard, they never ever catch God off off guard. He is always in control. He always has a plan. (laughs) Even when ours change, his doesn't. And he still has the ability and he has all the power to accomplish his overarching purpose for our lives. And many times what we've seen in the series from scripture is that many times it's the very change of plans that becomes his tool, right? That he uses to accomplish his overarching purpose for our lives. And so hopefully as we walk through this series, you're going to be able to see that when we fate, when you face a change of plans in your life, that many times it's, the, it's a window that God wants to use, you know, for you to see him and for you to see his will maybe more clearly than you did before that change came. So whenever we go through changes, I think it's helpful for us to ask ourselves some questions. Number one, if you're a believer already and you go through a change of plans, ask yourself, God, how, can, how are you using this to mold and shape me into the image of Christ? you know, if, you're, if your financial plans change, if you're going through issues in your uh, marriage or in, your, in a relationship, if things change in your workplace, in your career, something related to your job, regardless of a change of plans, I think the, the best first question we can ask as believers is, God, how are you wanting to use this to mold and shape me into the image of Christ? What is it in my life that you're wanting to whittle away that doesn't look like Christ so that I can reflect you more clearly, so that I can know you more deeply, and so that I can have a more fulfilled life? Because when I look like Christ, my life is going to be more fulfilled. So how are you molding and shaping me? Another question we can ask when our plans change is, God, how are you wanting to possibly give direction to me through this change? You know, you've closed the door here. Okay, you, you, you've you've changed these plans or allowed them to change. Where is it you're trying to direct me? Where are you trying to get me to, so that I can serve you more deeply or so that I can know you better? You know, what is it that you're doing regarding direction in my life? And then, obviously, I think one great question we can ask ourselves especially if you know you've never given your life to Christ, is, Lord, are you allowing these changes to come to show me that I need a Savior, that I'm not in control, that I can't handle life on this side, much less when I stand before you, uh, you know, in eternity, I'm not going to be ready. So maybe the change of plans is, God, do I need you as, a, as, a, as my Savior? Do I need to give my life to Christ? Well, this morning we're going to kind of build on all those things, and we're going to look at a message simply entitled, Change of Plans, Timing. Change of Plans, Timing timing and what we're going to look at is how God often uses a change of planes that come in our lives to accomplish his timing his ultimate timing his perfect timing in our lives. You know, there's a saying that timing is everything. You probably heard that, right? Timing is everything. I wouldn't say that timing is everything, but I would say that timing is very, very important for a lot of different reasons on a lot of different levels. Timing is important musically. For those of you that are music people, which I am not, uh, I can make a noise and I can make it joyfully, but I don't make a very pleasantly sounding joyful noise. So I'm not just not, you know, sort of talented in that area, but a lot of you are. Those of you that know music, you understand Timing is very important, you know, it's important musically, it's, it's important instrumentally, you know, what you've experienced up here this morning, uh, beyond the worship, if you look at it just in regards to the music, is a simple demonstration that timing is incredibly important. Timing is important in regards to relationships. I'm curious, how many of you uh, that are married today, how many of you uh, are married to someone that you knew back in school, whether it was high school, middle school, or grade school? Let me see your hands, okay? We had more hands than I expected in the first service and kind of the same today. A lot of you that knew each other. Now, let me ask you something. How many of you got married, say, in, in middle school or earlier? Let me see your hands. Okay? None, I don't think. One just kind of like wiped their their eye. That almost made me nervous there for a second. So uh, that would have been highly illegal, much less a little awkward up here for me. So there's a reason, even though you're married to someone, right, that you've known for a long time, maybe elementary or middle school or high school, there's a reason you didn't marry them back then, right? <laughs> that would have been kind of a train wreck. There was a reason, and it's because it was all about timing. Now, you may have known, you know, you were a senior in high school. You may have known, this is who I'm going to marry, and that's great, However, you weren't ready for that back then. There were some things still that had to happen. There were some things internally that had to happen. There were things logistically that had to happen for you to be ready for that level of a relationship, and it was all about timing. Timing is always important in relationships. Timing is important in business. You know, some of you are business owners, you're managers, or you have responsibilities in the workplace, and you understand that timing is very important. Every year, uh, not every year, but just about every year, our family goes to Atlanta to see the Braves play. Now, we didn't go last year because it just didn't work out, and they were, they were really not that good last year. And we haven't gone this year because they are horrible this year. And so we haven't gone. We haven't plunked down the money to do that. But when we go to the Braves game, some of you that have been to Turner Field, you know this. When you're inside the stadium, I mean, it's expensive in there, right? You think you got your tickets and you're all done. No, 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 All right. You want a hot dog, it's going to cost you your youngest, you know? They're going to get that. I've got, I've got like a hot dog and a Coke on layaway for the next game that I go. I'm going to pay it off, and then I'm going to get it. Uh, that was a weak joke, but I thought it'd go better than that. But when you go to the Turner Field, what you find is everything is expensive. So when you're inside, if you want to go get a bottled water, it's going to cost you easily probably four bucks to get a bottle of water that costs like 30 cents somewhere else. So you're going to get that bottle of water. You're, you're, you're going to be thirsty. You're going to want that bottle of water. But if you're like me, you're going to say, no, no, don't get the bottle of water. It costs too much. And when you leave the stadium, here's what's going to happen. Uh, those of you that have been, you, you, can, you can say amen if you want to. But when you leave the stadium, there will be suddenly business owners all around the property. And when you step off the property called Turner Field, you will have someone approach you saying, would you like a bottled water for a dollar? right? And what you're going to say is, yes, because I haven't drank anything in three and a half hours. I'm dying of thirst and I wasn't going to buy it in there. Thank you very much. Now they're making money off of it, but they're making money because why? Timing is, is important. Timing is important in a lot of different levels of life, business, relationships, a lot of different levels. But I would say timing is probably no more important than in our relationship with God. And when we walk with God, listen, there are times when our plans change And behind the scenes, he is doing work in us, and he is doing work in our circumstances. And listen, he is doing work in other people to ultimately position us, to ultimately prepare us, because he has his perfect timing at work, perfect timing in order. Speaking of baseball, for example. Let me just give this as an illustration. In Major League Baseball, you've got a pitcher that can, typically the pitcher, most any of them can, you know, can bring a fastball at 97 miles an hour now. I mean, most of them can, and it's just sort of the level and kind of where the game is today. I mean, it's nothing today to throw 97. Some will throw 98, 99. Some will even bust 100 a little bit higher. Studies have shown that when you're in the batter's box against that level of pitching, you're 60 feet, six inches from that that pitcher's mound. When you're in the batter's box waiting for that pitch, if he brings a fastball, you've got 50 milliseconds to ultimately see the ball, assess the pitch, what type of pitch it is, whether it's a fastball, whether it's a two-seam fastball, four-seam fastball, whether it's a slider, curveball, changeup, or regardless of what he may have in his repertoire. You've got to see the pitch. You've got to assess the pitch. You've got to decide whether you're going to swing. And then you've got to bring the bat through the proper plane in the hitting zone to connect with the ball. 50 milliseconds for you to do all of that research has shown. You've only got a small window to see, to decide, and then to enact what it is that you want to do. And if you're seven milliseconds off either direction, if you're seven milliseconds early, you're going to foul it off this direction. If you're seven milliseconds late, you're going to foul it off that direction. You've got such a small window to decide what it is that you're going to do to accomplish everything that needs to be done. Everything has to be in place. And yet still today you would think that is totally impossible to accomplish that. And yet you've got guys from time to time that will reach the 3,000 hit plateau in their career you got guys like Pete Rose years ago right with all the baggage of his story who still put that ball in play and reached base safely over 4,200 times timing is incredibly important in our lives and it's most important in our relationships with God there are things that God could give you today in your life that he plans to give you later but if he gave it to you today it would ruin you right There are things that God wants to do in my life later down the road that if he were to do them today, I'm not ready to handle them, and it would ruin me. Warren Wiersbe, a very popular uh, theologian, writer, look at what he says. Take a look at this this particular quote from him. He says, if God puts something in my hand without first doing something in my heart, My character will lag behind my achievements, and that is the way to ruin. Have you ever heard of a person in the public arena, right? Someone who ascended to a position of leadership, or they were giving something uh, of great, great value. Think lottery ticket, okay? And they received something that in their heart they weren't ready to handle, and it just became an absolute mess in their life. Have you ever heard stories like that? God has to do work in our lives to prepare us for what it is that he's doing down the road and many times there will be a gap between our change of plans Which is his tool to prepare us and whatever it is he has in store And when we find ourselves in that gap period where our plans are changing But it has everything to do with his timing in our lives. There are two things we have to do one. We've got to trust him And two we got to wait We have to trust that he is in control, that he is at work. There are some of you today, I'd be willing to say in a group this size, there are some of you today that are going through a change of plans in your life and it has thrown you off center. You are confused, you are hurting, you are aggravated, you're maybe mad at God, you're fighting with everybody who tries to encourage you. Your plans have changed. You didn't see this coming. You're just upset. And you're, you know, it's just not good for you right now. And yet what God is doing is, is that he is applying his timing. He's got something to come later for you because you know him and you love him and you're committed to him. You have a relationship with Christ, but God is at work in a way that you can't see. He's working in you. He's working in your circumstances. He's working in the lives of other people. And the whole thing in play here is his perfect timing. And what he's going to do later is ultimately going to blow you away. But today, you have to trust that he sees you where you are, that he knows what it is that you face, that he understands how you feel, that he's going to be good, that he's going to be faithful, that he's going to be consistent, and he's going to draw you and minister to you uh, through through a relationship with himself. But you've got to trust that. And at the same time, as you trust him, it's going to be a non-negotiable that you're going to have to wait because he's not going to be rushed. Right, he's not going to do things on your times sta- on your timetable. Most of the time, it's going to be on his timetable, and we're not really good at waiting, are we? At least not. How many of you have the spiritual gift of waiting? I've never heard of that. Any of you got it? Okay. How many of you just think you're good at waiting? Any of you? All right. Because if you raise your hand, I'm going until three o'clock today preaching. So we're going to see see if you you can you can match that. Okay. We're not really good at waiting. Some of you today will leave in. Half an hour from here, we'll be done. You'll go out in the park a lot, and you're going to be sitting there waiting to take a left turn onto Johnny Mercer or Pennwaller, and you're going to get aggravated because there's like six cars right that won't let you make your left turn. You ever done that? Living on the island, we get really spoiled, don't we? You know, man, this traffic's terrible. I had to wait for seven cars before I could turn left. Yeah, forgetting what life is like in Charlotte and in Atlanta and in Jacksonville and all these other cities. Right? Of course, we're not good at waiting. We're just not good at it. You got a Keurig coffee maker? Any of you got those Keurigs? You ever get mad at it? Yeah? Come on! Ugh! I want coffee. It's taking like a minute and a half. What's going on here? You go to McDonald's or some fast food place, you know, it's taking six minutes. You're about ready to like fire. You're already filling out the comment card. This place is just terrible. I had to wait seven minutes for my fast food, you know? We're not good at waiting. And yet God has not phased a bit he is just not you know he's just not phased a bit because his primary objective is not to make our life easier it's not to make us more comfortable yes he does care about those kinds of things but man God is in heart business he's in heart work and he is wanting to do work in you and work in me and many times it's a change of plans that he orchestrates that he allows in order to accomplish that, so a simple little takeaway this morning before we jump in a little further into God's word is that plans may change for you very possibly your cha- your plans may change in order to allow for god 's timing in your life there's a passage of scripture. We're going to look into a Bible story in just a second in Genesis chapter 39. But there, there's a really, really, I think, interesting passage of scripture that we read of in the book of Psalms, chapter 25. Take a look at what this says. Psalm chapter 25, it has a little bit to do with waiting on the Lord. It says, To you, O Lord, the psalmist writes, I lift up my soul. Let me just pause there for a second. If we're willing as Christians to entrust our very eternities to the Lord, right? Meaning we have surrendered our lives to Christ. We've placed our faith in Jesus. And God, I am banking on this, that your word is true, that when I give my life to Christ, that you're going to secure me and keep me for all of eternity. If we're willing to place that level of trust in God, right? Our eternities, our souls, if we're willing to place that level of of trust in him, why are we not willing to just trust him while we wait upon him? The psalmist says, to you I lift up my soul. Oh my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be ashamed. Do not let my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none of those who wait for you will be ashamed. Those who deal treacherously without cause will be ashamed. The psalmist is saying here, God, that you are worthy of my trust. You are worthy of my wait. And as I wait for you, you're going to come through for me. You're going to deliver me. You're going to take care of me. You know, that, that, is, that is real hope for those maybe who are here today who are wondering God, why have plans changed in regards to my work? You know, I thought this was going to be the case, and now it's not. This has just changed. I didn't see it coming. When are you ever going to put me in a place where I can provide for my family? God says, trust me and wait upon me because I'm at work for your good. God, when are you ever going to change my spouse? You know, I got married thinking they were this way, and now they're a different way. This is not what I saw coming. When are you going to just make things better? God says, you got to trust me and you got to wait on me because hard work sometimes takes time. The psalmist says, I have entrusted my soul to you and I am willing to trust you with every detail of my life as I wait upon you. And those two ingredients are going to be so important when we understand that sometimes God allows a change of plans to allow for his perfect timing in our lives. I remember when I finished seminary, I had been in ministry already for six years, um, had served locally on a, uh, served um, on a local church level. I felt like the Lord led me off to seminary and I went, you know, I obeyed and I went, I thought it was going to be three years. About two weeks into my first semester, you know my, my plan was get up there, knock this thing out, get the masters be done, step into the next position God has in, in store for me and uh, two weeks into my very first semester, uh, I realized as I was drowning, you know I'm never going to get this done in three years, and so I dropped a class, expanded the timeline, and it was now a four year endeavor, which ultimately it, you know that 's what it took to get done with seminary. So I finished seminary and uh, I came here back to Savannah, Susie and I were dating at the time, and uh, you know, you don't, in ministry, you don't just sort of like show up on a doorstep and say, hey, I'm here reporting for duty, you know, where do I go for work? You don't do that, you know, you, you just have to let God work, and God has to work his plan, and so I was praying, I was waiting on God to put me somewhere, I was attending here, I joined here at this church, um, it was a great church at the time, but really, honestly, Susie was a member here, and, and I was with her, so um, that was why I joined that was another lousy joke that really drew no, no, no attention. And so I was waiting on God. And yet while I was waiting, I was working here locally. I was working in a department store in the stock room. Now, you talk about chaos. You go to that stock room for about three years after I finished that job, and you'll see chaos because I was not good at what I did. And I'd be in the back of that stock room. I'd be unstuffing Nikes, right, taking the stuffing out of shoes, turning them over, right in the price on, the, on, that, on that shoe, putting it back down. And there were days back there in that stock room I'm thinking, what in the world is, the world is going on? You know, I have done ministry for six years. I am locked and loaded, ready to go. I've got my master's behind me. I've done seminary. I am ready to go. And 17 months would pass before I would step into a ministry position. You think I didn't have questions during that time? You didn't think I questioned whether or not I was ready? What was wrong with me? What in the world was God up to? But 17 months would pass. God would ultimately put me here. That was 14 years ago. And listen, I look back and I thank God today for what he did during that 17 months of waiting because there were things that God did where he had to orchestrate circumstances. He had to do work in my heart that would not have happened. I would not have been ready for what he had in store for me had he plugged me right in the moment I thought I was ready. God had to apply his perfect timing. And when we go through that experience of waiting on God, we have to trust him, and we have to wait patiently, and we have to apply this lost art of perseverance because God doesn't work on our timetable, he only works on his own. Genesis chapter 39 is the story of a man named Joseph. Joseph is one of the heroes of the Old Testament. We pick up his story actually earlier in the book of Genesis chapter 37. We begin to learn a little bit about Joseph there in Genesis 37 and 38. We begin to find that Joseph was the son of Jacob. He comes from a pretty rich family heritage, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Joseph would be the favored son of Jacob to the point to where his older brothers despised him because of that. There was one point we read of in scripture where Joseph's father would give him this multicolored coat. uh, And this multicolored coat was a show of favor, a show of favoritism, really. Joseph would be given this and his older brothers would even hate them all the more. As a result of their hatred, there would come a point when Joseph, the Bible tells us, was 17 years old, and he would have a couple of visions that God had given him. In the Old Testament, we read fairly regularly of people having visions and dreams, and that being God's way of of speaking into their lives. Today, you don't hear about that as much because we have the Holy Spirit who lives within us as Christians. But God would speak into Joseph's life. He would give him a couple of visions. And in those visions, he would communicate to Joseph that the day would come when Joseph would reign over many including his own family, including his own brothers that hated him. Well, Joseph, as a 17-year-old, shares this information with his brothers, and again, they hated him even more. Their decision would be to ultimately take him captive. They would strip off this multicolored coat that the father had given to him. They would dip it in animal's blood, and they would pass him off as dead. They would take that coat to their father and they would say, say to him that a wild animal had attacked your beloved Joseph and have, has killed him. This is all that's left of him is this coat. In reality, however, they would have taken Joseph after stripping him of his coat. They would cast him down into a deep pit and a traveling band, the Bible describes them as Ishmaelites, would travel through on their way to Egypt and it would be his brothers that would sell Joseph off into slavery to that traveling band of Ishmaelites. We pick up that story in Genesis chapter 39. Notice what it says here, the first couple of verses. It says that Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. This was by this traveling band of Ishmaelites. And Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. And so he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And so God is orchestrating, this is after Joseph's visions, right, that one day he would rule. He orchestrates getting Joseph into the household of the Pharaoh's chief bodyguard. Joseph now finds himself there. He begins to serve the Lord faithfully. God grants him success as he serves the Lord faithfully. Ultimately, however, one day Potiphar's wife would make an advance towards Joseph, Joseph, Joseph would stand firm in his integrity and his purity, and he would rush out of her presence. However, she would pin on him this false accusation that he had tried to assault her. Well, as you can imagine, her husband Potiphar would be enraged, and he was. He would ultimately have Joseph cast off into jail, into the uh, somewhat the deepest part of this prison. Look at what it says further in chapter 39, verse 20. It says Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. But the Lord was with Joseph. See, God knows and he sees us where we are when our plans change. It says the Lord was with Joseph and he extended kindness to him and he gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. Next slide. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. So even there in the prison, Joseph is being elevated, right? God is at work. God is positioning Joseph. He is preparing him for the great work that he plans to do in the future. God is very much at work in Joseph's life. And yet Joseph would spend two years there in that prison. You think he didn't wonder to himself at times, God, have you forgotten those promises you made to me? God, do you even remember where I am and i'm joseph here and this has been two years that this has gone on now what am i still doing in prison joseph was only human i'm sure those thoughts probably crossed his mind if you move a little bit further into chapter 41 you begin to see kind of the next phase the next stage genesis 41 verse 37 joseph would then interpret uh, a dream that the king would have that pharaoh would have and that that dream would be proven to be true ultimately And so it says the proposal seemed good to Pharaoh, to all his servants. After Joseph had interpreted his dream, it says Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all these things, right, there is no one uh, so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. And what God had done was, he had orchestrated all of these circumstances, and to Joseph, what seemed like change after pl- change of plans after change of plans after change of plans, God was at work, pulling all the strings, positioning him, preparing him, doing everything that was needed in his heart, in the circumstances, in the lives of other people, to the point to where, God's promise would ultimately be fulfilled in Joseph's life but it did not come without waiting look at what it says in the next passage of scripture here in Genesis 41 verse 46 Joseph was 30 years old how old was he when he had the visions 17 it says he was 30 years old this is 13 years later When he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and he went through all the land of Egypt, 13 years of waiting. For the time when God said, I will make you a ruler, and then comes ultimate dysfunction in his family. He gets cast off as a slave, sold away into slavery. After being thrown into a pit, he gets wrongly accused. He gets wrongly put into prison. All these things would happen over the course of these 13 years before God's promise would come to pass. Psalm chapter 105 sheds a little bit of light on this. Verses 17 through 19, look at what it says. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time, remember we're talking about God's timing, until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. For that 13-year season, God was like the master potter. Who had his hand on the heat, and he had his eye on the clock. And he was at work in Joseph's life, and he was at work in the circumstances, and he was at work in the lives of everybody else around to bring his ultimate will to pass. His purpose for Joseph's life, to bring it to pass. Listen, when you go through a change of plans, you and I have to first, and we we have to ask God, is this something that you have orchestrated or allowed in order to provide for your perfect timing? And when God is at work adjusting the timing, preparing us, preparing others, setting up the circumstances, principle number two, when a change of plans is to allow for his timing, ultimately his aim is to prepare you and his aim is to position you. I don't know what change of plans you may be going through today, But listen, there very well may be the possibility that God is allowing or orchestrating these changes because somewhere down the road, in a way that you can't see at a time when you'll later be ready, he's going to do a work, and today he prepares you, and today he positions you just like he did for Joseph, just like he did countless times in the pages of his word. And as he prepares and as he positions, the two things that you and I have to do is that we have to trust him and we have to wait for him. Three months ago, one of our staff members, Nathan, was called off to another church. Served here for 14 years, or over 14 years, close to 15. Served, served well, leading our music ministry, our worship ministry. God's plan was to lead him to another place. And since that time, what have we been doing? We have been trusting God, and we have been waiting upon God. I don't believe this has been time that's been stagnant for us as a church. I believe this is a time that God has wanted to use. I said it from day one, that he has wanted to teach us things about what it means to trust in him, what it means to follow him, what it means to worship, that it's never built on a person, that it's never built on a program, it's never built on any group. It's always built on our response to who God is and what he's done in our lives. There are churches of the day that know more about worship than anybody could ever imagine, and they don't have one instrument in their building. They don't have a choir. They don't have a worship pastor. They don't have a leader. All they have is a relationship with a Savior that set them free, and they never got over it. And for us, we're at a place today where we trust God and where we wait on God, and as he teaches us as a church. The day will come when he blesses us, when he provides for us, and we will look back and we can say, if we're willing, God, you use that time of trusting and waiting to do work in us that could not have come otherwise. So see, he applies these things to us as churches. He applies these truths to us as individuals, and maybe even for you specifically. The change of plans that you have faced is because he is preparing you and because he's positioning you for what he wants to do. J.I. Packer has a quote as we close, a quote of what it means to wait on God. He says, wait on the Lord is a constant refrain in the Psalms, and it's a necessary word, for God often keeps us waiting. He is not in such a hurry as we are. It's not his way to give more light on the future than we need for action in the present or to guide us more than one step at a time. But when in doubt, do nothing but continue to wait on God, and when action is needed, the light will come. Hey, what change of plans have you faced recently? Have you asked yourself, has God allowed these changes of plans maybe to show me that I need a Savior? Have you come to a place where you've given your life to Jesus Christ who came in God's perfect timing, gave his life, and he rose again so that he could bring you into a relationship with God if you're willing to repent and place your faith in Christ? Maybe God's allowed those changes of plans to bring you to a relationship with himself. Or maybe for you as a Christian, God is wanting to shape you and mold you and the change of plans is his tool. Maybe God's wanting to direct you to something that he has coming. Or maybe even for now the call is not to know the future. It's just to trust him and to wait. To worship him where you are. To let him mold you and shape you and develop you and your character and your integrity. And to put everything in place outside of your control. So that one day you'll look back and your testimony will be what an amazingly good God I've served. Who even uses my change of plans to accomplish his purpose in my life. Let's pray. God in this room today are stories and Lord every story is different probably every seat that's occupied by a person this morning could tell a story of how they've experienced a change of plans that they didn't see coming for some of them their story takes on a very difficult tone because it was in their change of plans that they became bitter and they became angry Maybe for some of them, it was in their change of plans that they somewhat gave up on you, or they began to kind of live life on their own terms, not on your terms anymore. But Lord, also in this room are people that have been through changes of plans, and it was those changes that you used as a window to reveal yourself and to show them your will. And Lord, they look back and they see their change as difficult as it was, and and in in a strange way today, they thank you for it because you've used it to mold them and to shape them or to get them where you wanted them to be or you use that change to to uh, apply your perfect timing and now today they've experienced your blessing and they can look back and see how those changes were a part of it all along and lord there are others that are here that have been through changes that have come in their lives and they look back and they see that that was the tool that you used to show them their need for a savior it was the context of a change of plans that they chose to give their lives to Jesus, that they chose to trust themselves to you, not only today, but forever. And so, God, today there are still more decisions to be made, and there are others that face a change of plans in their lives, even this morning. And I pray, Lord, that their question would be, as believers, could you possibly be using this, God, to, to accommodate your perfect timing for what you want to do in my life down the road? And if that's the case, God, I pray that you'd help them to trust you, and to press in close to you, but to also wait upon you, and to wait, not passively, but actively, as they serve you, and as they worship you, and as they praise you, and as they even thank you for this time, as they wait on your perfect will to be done. And so, Lord, whatever decisions we need to make to apply this passage and and this message, Lord, help us to do it today. And, Lord, may our walk with you be closer because of the choices we make, even this morning, and may you get the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen.